Well, good morning, Wise Drive. <laughs> if y'all would, uh, turn your Bibles. We're going to be looking at two main verses today. We're going to end up in James chapter 4, verse 8. So if you want to go ahead and put your finger there, if you've got a physical copy of God's Word. Oh, but we're going to start today in John chapter 13, verse 34. And so, while y'all are getting there, I want to ask y'all to take a trip down memory lane with me. And I want, <laughs> I want y'all to think back to your first year of college, if you went to college. And I think for me, you know, it was my first time really being away from home, really being, you know, where there weren't any rules. Well, there weren't any, like, real, real rules. Um, <laughs> there wasn't, you know, somebody constantly watching over me, making sure I did everything I needed to, you know. I had a bit of freedom, right? Well... And when you go to college, one of the things that you try to, one of the things that at college they try to tell you is you need to find who you are. Find out who you are as an individual. And so, of course, when you go to a, a liberal arts college, they're trying to get you to identify who you are as the world sees you. But, you know, I've got a good buddy and his name is Rev. And some of y'all may actually know him by a different name as Dave Wilson. He was the guy who came up here for our student ministry lock-in and led worship for that, for that night. And let me tell you, that man is almost 62 years old, and he, was, he stayed awake longer than I did. Let's just say that. I mean, he stayed awake for 26 hours straight, and when we were watching Finding Nemo in the middle of the lock-in, he was sitting there right on the front pew. I was, try I was trying my best not to doze off, and he was just sitting there all perky and happy, and he was just going, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, right along with Dory. Anyways, <laughs> I say all that to say this. Rev is what I call my wise old owl. He is the guy that I go to whenever I'm needing some real deep biblical advice for what I'm going through. And every single time I call him and talk to him about something that's going on in my life, he tells me two things. He says, Nick, remember who you are and remember whose you are. Man. And so I, I love that we just saying who you say I am. You know, I am a child of God. That's where we need to find our identity. And we, as the body of Christ, need to dwell in that identity. And, you know, there's been a lot of chaos over the past three months, and even longer. I mean, 2020, who here can agree? 2020 has just been chaos altogether. And so, over the past three months, I've had conversations with a lot of you and a lot of people in the church, a lot of my friends, and they're all asking the same thing. They're all asking one question. Now what? Now what are we going to do? And church, I want to encourage us today. This is something that I was even asking up straight through this weekend. I'm still asking right now. Now what? But this weekend, something came to me. Okay, we're asking now what? Okay, we have two options. We can either look behind us and look to what's behind us and focus on what we did, what we've always done, what, you know, what happened in the past. And we can dwell there. 
But if we keep focusing on what's behind us, we're never going to move forward. And so my challenge to us today as individuals, as Wise Drive Baptist Church, and as the body of Christ is that we look forward to what God has for, in store for us moving forward. And so when I, look at, when I think about looking forward and what that means to us as Wise Drive Baptist Church, I think of three things. The first of which is we need to one another, one another. I know that's kind of a tongue twister and try saying that ten times fast. One another, one another, one another. Anyways, the phrase one another, we derive that from a Greek word that is alelon. Alelon is used about a hundred times in the New Testament, with about 59 of those approximately are commands on how we should and should not treat one another. Boiled down, it boils down to two things. We, one another, one another, by the way we act and by the way we speak. And so we're looking at by the way we act. And for that, I want to look at John chapter 13 with verse 34 and 35. It says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? Love one another. You think he's trying to get a point across? (laughs) We need to love one another. Is that always easy? No. (laughs) There are some people who are just very difficult to love. And I struggle with that. But guess what? Body of Christ. We are to be about love. We need to love one another because guess what? There's enough hatred out in the world. And we're called to not be like the world. We're called to be like Christ who loved. Even as he was being crucified, he looked down upon the people who were crucifying him and said, Father, forgive them. Wow. Forgive them. By the way we act, people need to know that we are his disciples. Like it says in 13, 30, John 13, 35, by this, by what? By your love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You know, when I was coming here to interview uh, about a year and a half ago, actually now it's been about almost two years since that process started, um, we, Susie Cashwell was the person who pointed me to this church. Now, granted, she's not here anymore, but, but granted, she was the one who pointed me to this church, but she wasn't what drew me to this church. What drew me to this church was in all the research I was doing in preparing for my interview. Let me tell you what, I scoured the website, I scoured the Facebook page, I scoured email, like, I, I scoured everything I could that was public information. And you know the one thing that caught my eye? The one thing was something that was kind of hidden in Pastor Sterling's bio in our website, on our staff page. And it was a quote, and it said, if we can get this love thing figured out, everything else will follow. Oh my goodness. If we can just get this love thing figured out. Because guess what? If we love our enemies... They're going to see that, 
And they're going to ask, why do you love me? We need to be about love in the way that we act towards one another. The other way we need to one another, one another, is by the way we speak. Now, this is something that I take very seriously in, in our student ministry here. Because if you go into the youth room right now, you'll see a poster on there, and it says youth group rules. That's actually inaccurate. It's more youth group guidelines. And these guidelines, one of them say, be kind and encouraging to everyone. We don't handle that. We've told, like, I have got, had to get on to some of the students for not being kind and encouraging to people. Because guess what? There's enough hatred out in the world. Here at church, we don't need to be about that. We need to be about building each other up and encouraging one another. I got, and one of the reasons it is so important to me is because when I was a student in the youth group, way back when, I used to go, I used to go to youth camp. And at youth camp, as you know, there's always, no matter what week of camp you go to, there's always that one church that is so massive. It has like 40 or 50 students that week. And this, this is the youth group that always has the matching t-shirts. You know, you always wear the blue ones on Monday, the red ones on Tuesday, the black ones on Wednesday, you know, stuff like that. So, hey, you're representing our church. But I kept noticing that these students kept saying, in the middle of the day, I'd hear them say, hey, hey, it's almost 4.30. And I'd look at my watch, and I'd be like, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. You need to get your watch fixed. Like, it ain't almost 4.30. And so finally, after hearing it all week, I finally went up to one of the students of that youth group. And I said, okay, please explain this to me, because I don't understand. And they said, oh, well, it's something our youth pastor started. I said, okay. He said, you know, whenever we hear somebody who is not saying anything uplifting or encouraging, we call them out and we say, hey, it's almost 4.30. And it's a reminder to our people that, hey, we need to be about building up and encouraging. Well, the reason it's almost 4.30 is because it's a reference to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, where it says, no foul language should come from your mouth but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. If I say it once, I say it a million times, church, we don't need to be about hatred. We don't need to be about tearing people down because there's enough of that out in the world. We're called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be separate from this world. And let me tell y'all, I'm not pointing fingers here because I've been guilty of this even this week, even this weekend. And it's rough. And I try. And I'm trying to grow in this. But church, let me just say this. We need to be about not letting anything out of our mouths. And I'm going to say this because I can hear all the middle school boys saying this. Well, what if it's a text message? Or what if it's on Facebook? No. Here's the thing. We need to be about, we, don't let anything out of your mouths or come from your voice that is not, except that which builds up. Because, guys, I, I say it once, I say it a million times. There's enough of that out in the world. 
We're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy. We're called to grow in Christ. And the only thing you're doing by tearing somebody down is damaging your reputation and your witness with that person. And just like that, that brings me to my second thing. We need to be the church. We need to be the church. Guess what? The church is not located at 2751 Southwise Drive, Sumter, South Carolina. The church is not located on Loring Mill. The church is not located on Alice Drive. The church is not located in downtown Sumter. Those are just the agreed meeting places of that body to where we will come together as one and worship. But church, the whole thing of being the church outside of these four walls is we need one another. We need that Christian community. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12 say, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Guys, I hate to break it to you. No church is perfect. No church is perfect. It may look perfect on the outside. It may look perfect, you know, when you're sitting in the pew. But guess what? The church isn't perfect because it's made up of people. And we are not perfect. We don't have it figured out. We are people. Guys. And please, if you, if you have this Christian walk thing figured out, please come to me. Because I want to take notes. I really do. Because we're all trying to grow. Or I assume we're all trying to grow. And we're all trying to grow together to be the church. But here's the thing. We can't be the church within these four walls. This is where we worship. We need to be the church by going out. We need to go because it is every Christian's responsibility. No matter... It's not the pastor's responsibility. It's not the preacher's responsibility. It's not the student minister's responsibility. It's not the children's director's responsibility. It's not the associational lead's responsibility. It's not the deacon's responsibility. It is every single person's responsibility to go and make disciples. The Great Commission. All authority, Jesus was saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. There's no conditional clause. He's saying, go, every single one of you. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite quotes is from Charles Spurgeon. And it says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Amen or oh me, church. <laughs> Let me challenge you. When was the last time that somebody saw Christ enough in you that they stopped you and said, what is it that you have? I want that. When was the last time that you brought up the conversation with a complete stranger? 
We need to work together to accomplish this goal of going because there are people around this very building in these communities who do not know Christ. And here's the thing. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just as guilty. But here's the thing. We need to come together and work for our and use our individual gifts to accomplish our goal of expanding the kingdom. And you're like, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, you know, for example, if you love technology, or if you're a young person, you love just that kind of stuff, guess what? We have a place for you. <laughs> Poor JJ is up there all alone this week. Man, and thank you so much for doing it, JJ, because if it were not with, for you this week, man, we would be in trouble. You know, maybe, maybe you're just incredibly good at marketing. I've had conversations with Eric Prince this week about how we can just try to do better about reaching out into our community. Guys, maybe that's where you're gifted. Maybe you're gifted musically. Hey, Ashley and Travis and Anne could sure use some help up here. I'm sure they will greatly accept the help. <laughs> our Sunday school teachers, thank you all for being faithful. Because without y'all, we don't have people who will faithfully teach to our congregation. So my challenge is identify what your gift is. Hey, I can tell you what. We've got some human resources people here in the church. Guess what? We need that. <laughs> we need some people who will come in and help us with all of this. And most importantly, what we need as a church is we need our prayer warriors. And I will say this. I have nothing but love for my brother Kevin Litchfield. <laughs> because twice a week, I get a text message from him. <laughs> Usually one of them includes a little bit of a devotion or something. And at the end it says, how can I pray for you today? And then some other time during the week, there's another text message. Nick, how can I pray for you today? And I'll be honest, I have spilled my guts to that man. But you know what? I know that Kevin is going to pray. It's not one of those things where, you know, I'm guilty of this too. Where I'll say I'll pray for somebody, two seconds later I completely forget about it. No, we need our prayer warriors. Which leads me to my third point. We need to seek after God. And one of the ways we do that is through our prayers. We need to keep on, press on towards the goal and fix our eyes on Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 8. Very familiar verse. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. One of my favorite songs, or I've got a group that I absolutely love. They're a group of guys by the name of This Hope. And their music has helped me so very much. I'm a person who, I tend to learn more from music than I do from spoken word. So like preaching and teaching, I don't really listen. I, I don't really gain a lot from it, but I can gain a lot from a song. If you put it to a musical tune or something, I got it. <laughs> well, a couple of years ago, they released a song called Stay. And it says, what would happen if we stayed in his presence? 
I will tell you what would happen if we stayed in his presence. Satan would not get a foothold in our life. He would try, but if we stayed with him, what could we see? Could we see giants fall, lives turn around? What could we see if we stayed in his presence? And here's the thing, I just said, you know, because we stay in God's presence doesn't mean that God's done with us. Or because we stay in God's presence doesn't mean that Satan's done trying to get us. Oh no, he's going to try to stop us from coming together and staying in his word and staying in unity. Because Satan is going to try to stop us by causing anger, hurt, and disunity amongst the body. Because he knows if we're broken with one another, that we cannot join together and further the kingdom of God. Here's something I've noticed. Satan only attacks when God's about to show up. That's when he attacks his hardest. So church, wise drive, I want to ask. I think we can all agree. Everything during these past, this past year has been rough, has been tough. What does God have in store for wise drive? What is God about to do here with our congregation? I'm going to ask the praise team to come and lead us in a song of invitation. And maybe, just maybe, you need to come. Maybe you have something against a brother or sister here in this very building that is causing disunity between y'all. My encouragement is to go find them and go talk it out with them. Go make amends. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you have never actually become a member of the body of Christ. And so you don't know the peace and the joy that we are supposed to have. You don't know what it means to love one another unconditionally. Then I ask you, I'm going to be standing down here at the front. If you need to come and accept Christ, please come and talk to me. And here's the last thing. If you just need to come and kneel at the altar. I'm not saying you have to come to the altar to pray. You can pray right where you are. You can pray right where you are if you're watching us on the stream. But I know for me, it is a helpful step to physically come down to the altar and kneel and humble myself before our almighty God and bring our concerns to him. Church, are we going to look behind us? Are we going to look behind us and focus on what's behind us and the hurt that has happened? Or are we going to learn from it and move forward? As we stand and as we sing.